What's that um, saying? You might have heard me sing in workshops before. It wasn't my original phrase. I don't even know where I got it from. But if you want to spread the news, what are the three ways?
the average place. I know there are many places it's not like that. Many of where you're working with it's not like that. But in Florida, like California and Texas, those states, <clears throat> my goodness, everybody looks like they've got their act together. But in the gym, I was hearing all sorts of things that realized that, wow, these women are really broken. And my heart, because I've been so broken and God has really brought me through a lot, my heartbeat was like not about helping their physical health. It was, I want them to, I want to help them to be free to be who God made them to be. That just became this, like, oh, Lord, they need to know who you made them to be because they're fighting the battle of the media and the image of what a woman should be in this country that is then sent out across the world. As Marley said, it's the wrong message. We don't want to be giving that message about the boobs and the, you know, the half-naked bodies and all of this. And, and so these women, what I was seeing was that women, as they got older, their husbands are leaving them for younger women, pornography's coming along. There's all sorts of marriages are breaking up because of the distractions of the men. Women feeling terrible about themselves because they can't keep up fast enough with youth. And it's an ever-ending circle and cycle downwards about the destruction of a woman's identity. And so I would just sit there and I'd be crying like, Lord, I just want them to know who you made them to be. I want them to be free in you. And so that was the heartbeat that really started Love Unveiled, <clears throat> helping women to be free in who God sent them to be. So that's the purpose, is setting women free to be who God created us to be. Set women free to be who God created them to be. Now, how does that relate to the vision? If the heartbeat, at the heart of the ministry, at the heart of our core identity is helping set women free to be who God created them to be, how will it lead to the vision? What happens when women get free? They tell others. They tell everybody. Right. So I don't need to worry about setting down the strategy of like, oh my gosh, i got to reach the whole world. How are we going to do that? Okay, let me get a team of people together and let's strategize how we're going to do it. No. We start with the heart. We start with the identity. We start with helping women to know who God created them to be. And that's the journey of transformation and helping to grow in that. And the healing that comes with that, the freedom that comes with that, eventually, over the journey, <clears throat> they start to multiply because they start living in freedom and telling others. And that just doesn't affect other women. It affects their families. It affects their husbands. It affects their communities. Every one of you in this room, as you have grown in your freedom, whether it was through this journey, however the Lord's done it in your life, you have gone through a freedom, a transformation that is now impacting so many other people's lives. Because you have been walking in the freedom that God's given you, and you've got something to share. And the Holy Spirit has worked through you. So we have a purpose which will fulfill the vision. The, the mouth have, says what you have in your heart. Right. Out of the mouth. Thank you, Marley. As we said, in, and again, workbook two, the, out, of the, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm free in my heart, I'm going to speak freedom, and I'm going to want other people to have that. But if my heart's in bondage and anger and pain, then my mouth is either not going to speak at all, or it has nothing good to say. So if we want to speak 
the gospel, we need to look at our hearts. And so that's what's going to bring condition to fulfillment as we do it together. Now, there is a mission, there is a strategy, which I've kind of just outlined. Does anybody know? Where, where would the mission come? The feet, the hands and the feet. So the mission is the hands and feet. So often, you know, I hear so many times people saying, we're, the heart, we're going to be the hands and feet. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And some of you have heard me say, when I hear that, I always want to say, well, you've got to start with his heart. We are here to be the practical uh, representation of Jesus in the world. But if I don't have his heart and his spirit flowing through me, then I'm an empty, empty crying symbol, and we end up with the busyness. I think you referred to it, Marley. Like, we've all been there. Busy, 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 busy. Is it fruitful? I mean, the Lord uses everything that's intended for goodness, because all good comes from him. But how much more powerful when the heart is changed and everything I do is a ministry of the heart? Then I have the compassion that we just read about on those stops. It's that whole journey of coming into intimacy with him where I have compassion for humanity. If all I have is hands and feet, I'm going to get burnt out. Oswald Chambers says that. If the cause of humanity is what I'm following, I'm going to burn out really quickly. But if it's about a relationship with Jesus, it's sustainable. How many missionaries get burnt out on the mission field because they lose the relationship, and this can happen to us, no matter which your mission field is. You lose connection with Jesus because you get so busy doing the hands and feet part. It's easy. I, I know this in my own situation. It's so easy. As the ministries grow, as the demands increase, you hardly get a minute to sit down and just get in the Word. I'm like, Lord, <clears throat> I need time with you. Because I'm going to be very irritable today. <laughs> and Angie gets the brunt of it sometimes if I've not had enough time with Jesus. <laughs> so I'm going to say, I'm sorry. We all need it. We've got to stay connected. The heart has to be taken care of. I have to take care of my heart before I can minister to somebody else's heart. You know that, but I think it's worth reinforcing. But when we do the mission, what, what is the mission? Our mission as a ministry, the mission, so we've got the hands and feet, and there's a word that we use. Team. Okay, Masako, what does team represent?
So I think it's David Platt that um, wrote in one of his books that amazing things happen when the people of God are transformed, equipped, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to multiply right in their own location. And if every local church was transformed, equipped, and empowered to multiply, to be disciples who love Jesus the way we just read, get to all the way to the end stop, we'd have already done the job of it. You know, if every Christian was in love with Jesus and doing what we were called to do and didn't stop in the wilderness halfway along and just say, I'm going to camp out here, but said, no, I'm going to follow the outgoings, the journey of Jesus, even though it's painful, I'm going all the way to the end. And Jesus is waiting. God is waiting to send Jesus back for us because he said he doesn't want anyone to perish. He's waiting. So there's a whole lot of people out there that still need him more now than ever. More than ever. I had an email from a pastor this week, and uh, I'll just share you this, share with you if I can find this. Um, and it was just such a cry from the heart of a, of a woman who has not been in our church. Um, he was asking me if I would follow up with this lady, um, or if I had a, a lady who would follow up with her if it wasn't me. But he said, um, we recently received a text from a new lady in church. I have her text below. Do you know of any ladies who can help her, who would be interested in calling and walking this journey? And this, this is their text. Good morning, Pastor. I'm, I'm a single mother of two that's looking for a church family and a female mentor. I watched the services yesterday online, and it was such a blessing for my weary soul. I'm down in the trenches with sinners, and I feel like none of this matters that what I do doesn't matter. I need spiritual guidance. I need a safe haven. I need love. I need to recharge my batteries after being out of a church family for so long. And I read that and I just cried. And my heart was like, Lord, how many more? I really believe this. It, it hit me because it's not the first time I've heard this. It's not the first time I've seen it. There is something happening since COVID. There are people sitting at home, they're tired, they're scared, they're full of anxiety, they don't know where to go. Now she's one who was probably somewhere back there in those stop signs, and God's saying, you need fellowship. She's had some kind of Christian experience, and from the interactions that I've had with her, she knows the Lord, but she's full of anxiety. <coughs> and um, I actually called, uh, I hope Nancy doesn't mind me mentioning this, but I did call Nancy, and uh, the Lord just brought me, Nancy to my to my mind and so I said I shared the text with her and it was just it was like how how could you not respond mm. now here was what my thought was are we ready mm. you know the hospitals were overwhelmed with COVID they didn't have enough staff because so many of the staff were sick and they kept telling us in the news the hospitals were overwhelmed the hospitals were overwhelmed when I read texts like that I think the church is going to be overwhelmed if we're not ready. God has put us in a place to be spiritual nurses and doctors. But are we ready? And I was thinking, are there women out there who are ready to minister? And not just minister, it's not just pick up the phone. This woman needs somebody to walk with her. What does that require from us? That's something that most of the Western church doesn't want to do. Don't want to disciple. Don't want to 
mentor. It's too messy. I don't want to get into somebody's life because then I've got to commit. But if we don't help these people to grow, if we don't mother them like you've learned how to parent your children, if we don't apply that same lesson that God has given us to be spiritual mothers to the younger women, whether they're spiritually younger or age younger, who's going to do it? When this hospital starts, they're knocking at the doors because they're terrified of what's happening in the world and they need somebody to tell them the truth. Where are the spiritual mentors? I feel like this entire season of our ministry, the last 15 years, has been about for this time now. Now more than ever before, God is saying, are you ready to minister? Are you ready to be there for the brokenhearted? If you got a phone call from me, are you ready? Are you willing? I mean, there's, we can't all take on all of it, wherever you are. I'm not saying you've got to do it this way, but God is calling all of us to say the church has to be available for the brokenhearted, the, the scared, the weary, and we've got to be able to mentor and disciple these people when they cry out to us. And this is providing, I hope, a way to do it, to help them, to minister to them, to help them go through transformation and healing and identity and to show them how God really loves them and what his plans are for them. And part of that is this journey of spirit and truth. Learning how to fly in freedom. So the first wing of truth. Oh, no, good. The scripture's not on there. I was going to say, you can see the answers. We can actually see them. <laughs> what's the truth wing? What, what does, what's that verse? Where do we find freedom in the truth? What does Jesus say about it? John 8, Somebody say Right. The whole thing is, if you abide in my word, you will be what? My disciples. The world takes the second part. Oh, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But they don't even know what the truth is. Because the truth is only found in the word of God. So you have to have the whole context. Jesus was talking to Jews who said they were believers. But he goes on to say, you're not believers. Can anybody, uh, can, I don't know if you can see this, 
probably about four people in the room can see this <laughs> so here's the, here's the butterfly girl with the mission and the vision and her purpose okay and um, I hope you can all draw that when you're reading your discipleship books and replicate it and you'll probably do a whole lot better than me but um, I actually for a long time have felt like you needed something a bit better than that and So you don't have to draw it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so here is, I never have to worry about this ever again. <laughs> I'm trying to write it on a scrappy board. Um, but it's, she's so cute. <laughs> so this is our butterfly girl um, reaching the world. And you're all going to get a copy of her to take away with you. So that you can use her and remember who she is. And another thing um, that I've had drawn for you, so that you're going to get this as well, is our Spirit and Truth logo. So you'll have copies of that. Um, so you don't have to, to draw that, and you can share that with people. And uh, so some fun things. And then uh, something else that I'm excited about is the transformation from glory to glory. You will also have that. So nobody has excuses to forget it. <laughs> but to explain this, this graph, and then we'll close this afternoon, but probably one of the most important aspects of our teaching on transformation mm -hmm. is that, that um, mm. but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's a journey. Um, and here, the, normally I'm scribbling things all over the board, but now... So here's the first journey of glory, where we come in at the cross, and we become a new creation, and we're changed from caterpillar to butterfly. It's so much better than my drawings, right? <laughs> and so here, we see this lesson of the, the little word, too. You know, I've, I've often shared with you, too is where all the trouble happens. <laughs> little word, but really dead, literally deadly. <laughs> You're going from glory to glory, and that too is so painful. It's the time when the death is happening. Um, but it's about upward movement. It might not look like it. It looks dead, but there's a movement happening. And it's the Lord taking us to a next level of faith in him and transformation. And so that continues. So here you've got your spiritual journey. And in the cocoon, we're learning to know God, to love God, and to trust God. Again, those steps that we have talked about. That if you, The more you know God, the more you're going to love him. The more you love him. Here we go. Here, this journey, the spiritual life, um, as we continue up this journey here, down here we just see it as nothing but tests and pain and death. But as we grow, we realize that we're becoming seasons of intimacy and trust and living in greater freedom with him. When we finally reach glory, when we see him, we'll be like him. I mean, in a second, we'll be transformed and all the flesh will have gone. But in the meantime, here's what's happening. So although our spiritual growth is happening, our faith is being built up, in the flesh, there's surrender, humility, yielding to death, and it brings us to glory. So it's like the death of the
Who am I choosing every day? Choosing to live in the spirit or to live in the control of my flesh? So the cocoon seasons are working together for good as we become more like him. And so what we're growing to know is that to know God is to love God, to trust God, which is freedom. And the freedom is now I can love and serve others unconditionally. So that's the journey that we're on from glory to glory. And um, so we're going, I'm going to give you those slides. And uh, on one more slide, I'll finish with this, sorry, just while we're on the subject. In the lesson two in workbook two, this is another diagram that I've used a lot, is having the mind of Christ. In the beginning, Jesus was equal with God. And he left everything and he came down. No reputation, he became a servant. Human form, humbled himself, obedient even to death. That's those steps. I mean, and it says, have the same mind. Have the same mind. So as you saw those steps coming down in the glory to glory chart, here's the verse in Philippians. And, and so Jesus came down and left everything, humbled himself. And Paul says, have the same mind. And don't worry about your reputation, what other people think about you. How many of us get caught up in the fear of what other people think? Or what we, what we think we think, and they may not be thinking at all. It's one of the biggest snares for all of us, worrying about what people think. And this death, is where we've got to die to all that and say, it doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. And as I surrender to him and have his mindset, look what it says. Therefore, God raised him up and exalted him. He didn't raise himself up. We're not here to build a platform for ourselves, to build a ministry for ourselves, to build a name or a title for ourselves. No, we're here to serve, to be humble, to be not known by anybody. And God will raise you. He'll give you favor because you're highly anointed, you're blessed, and he's going to use you. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks about it. Because we follow someone whose name is above every other name. And he let him raise you up, uh, which is the opposite message to the world and to the flesh, who we all want to be seen, don't we, on that platform. So that's another um, image, digital image, that you're going to get that you can use in your group so you don't have to be doing what I've done for years, writing them on boards now, you all can have them, and we can share that message. So I hope you'll enjoy that.